Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View Wrap on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined on the phone today by both JP Ong and Jeff Howie, who I guess don't like me that much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, of course, of course we do. <laughs> then you're both on the phone. This is social distancing, responsible social distancing. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which, which we're leading the world in. We are leading the world in, and apparently the markets was the all of the markets were experiencing some social distancing as well. Well, yeah, social distancing from the peaks, right? And most markets in uh, were in bear territory last time we checked. Today's a little bit better. That's the good news. Uh, it's not a a sudden recovery or a bounce back, but uh, it's like the market's just putting some balm onto the onto the burns that they've had recently. Uh, the Straits Times Index is up now by about 0.8%, about 20 points in the green. So not so bad. We'll see if we can hold on to things because we also saw something like that last Wednesday when it opened strongly in the green and then suddenly faded in the afternoon session. So fingers crossed that things can hold on to this. Um, value turnover, quite cheapish when you compare it to other sessions, Clarissa, about $847 million Singapore dollars. So under a billion dollars in value turnover at this juncture right now. But nevertheless, at least they're seeing just a little bit of an easing, at least for the Straits Times Index. The rest of the region also in the green, except for Japan. Now, Japan Japanese markets are offline today because they are observing a public holiday called the Vernal Equinox Day. So no activity out of Tokyo, but generally sheepish gains for m- most of the rest of the region. Um, the ASX 200 in Australia really pummeled over the last couple of weeks. They're, they're in the green by about 33 points. So a slight uh, recovery, at least for, on their part. In, in mainland China, Shanghai and Shenzhen, both marginally in the green. You've got the Kospi in Korea up by 4.8% today. So they're looking like the most rambunctious of the markets right now. And not too far behind them, the Hang Seng also up by about 450 points, 2% in the green. I do think that the, it's equally important now to really look at how U.S. futures are behaving. And I've noticed that usually when U.S. futures show, show signs of easing off, you start to see markets calm down a little bit. So if you look at U.S. futures, unlike the last couple of days when we were seeing drops of between 4 to 6% at some point, um, you're seeing that the Dow futures are currently trading about 34 points in the red, but that's nothing compared to some of those 100-point uh, drops we'd see before the markets would open in the U.S. The S&P 500 practically flat down by two points, and the Nasdaq actually in the green, they're trading 21 points higher. So there's some sign, I think, of stability at least for you know, for Wall Street, as, they, as and maybe just maybe the traders out there are getting a grip of themselves. And this, I think, is also starting to dictate sentiment, at least from what I'm seeing. And maybe there could be other reasons out there. I'll leave that to Jeff to actually um, fill in. But yeah. generally, at least markets doing a little bit better, yeah? Okay, yeah, that's, Jeff. That's, that's right. That's right, Clarissa and, and JP. The, the, uh, if you look at the standard correlation between the Straits Times Index and the S&P 500 Index, we've seen that correlation basically triple in the month of March. And, of course, all Asian markets take their cue in terms of where the e-mini S&P uh, uh, futures or the S&P futures have, have opened on their Sunday night, our Monday morning, because obviously with the COVID-19 really driving uh, a lot of the impacts we're seeing in the markets, uh, a lot can happen in the space of a weekend. And we've seen that in the case of stimulus as well. But nonetheless, while we do have that correlation to the S&P 500, we have seen, uh, looking just beyond today, looking uh, at the broader week, there has been an element of diversification, of course. Obviously, consumer goods 
goods and services sectors have been most impacted by the global declines we've seen. But we've had one tech stock, Venture Corporation, and that's seen around half the declines of the consumer sector, I think with a 16% year-to-date decline thereabouts. But this week, I guess the most defensive stocks we've seen in the STI were Dairy Farm International and, of course, Yangtzejiang uh, Shipbuilding, which actually have generated in the course of the five sessions some marginal gains. But uh, I guess keeping an eye on the volatility, we still see that 30-day annualised volatility above 30%, near the 32% level, and that's above the 29% level we saw amidst the Europe debt concerns in 2011. But it's uh, it's still off, obviously, those key big 40% levels we observed back in 2009. Okay, my question is, how much of this market movement, this volatility is because it is only now that Europe and the US are reacting to COVID-19 because now it's really hit them. Yeah, okay. Just just to quickly say, it's been a little bit of a double hit too because what we've seen, not not just in terms of the sell-off, but we've also seen the US dollar very strong. In fact, US dollar index is up 9% since the 9th of March. And you have, of course, the impact of the safe haven cash cash status that the US dollar obviously has, but it has been exacerbated by the lifting of a lot of US dollar currency hedges that often do accompany big investments into US stocks by all those non-US international institutions out there. You know, U.S. stocks make up more than half, around 55% of the FTSE All World Index, and that's tracked by non-U.S. institutions and funds and individuals all across the world. And for all these non-U.S. investors, a decline of the uh, U.S. dollar can, of course, when they go to invest, impact any positive returns that they make on the stock investments. So it's very common practice for these investors to hedge potential downside on the U.S. dollar while they do carry that U.S. trade, Mm -hmm. and then they do buy back to close out that hedge when they exit the stock. So that's the selling of the stocks has seen the cross-buying in the US dollar, uh, so much so that we've seen some liquidity concerns on the US dollar. And of course, they have been addressed somewhat by the Fed Reserve also setting up some swap lines with with key central banks, including, of course, the MAS. Uh, Last time we checked, the US dollar was at one spot 42. Where is it now? Uh, for us right now, uh, you got a JP? <laughs> let, let me pull this up right now. And you've got to give me some heads up here because well, we're all working from home, right, Clarissa? So, I've got it at uh, 1.4484. So, so, 1.4484 yeah, right now against the greenback. Um, we're still looking at, uh, we're still at a relatively weak position versus the greenback. But generally, everybody else is also weak. And it's part of that liquidity crunch also that uh, that people were worried about in the forex space. I actually spoke about this with Desmond Leong. Um, uh, who's with AxiCorp. He's one of their market strategists there, or market analysts. He'll, we'll be playing that interview later on on Forex Fridays. Uh, saw a shameless plug there, notwithstanding. Generally, uh, it, it's going to impact a lot of these currencies because everybody is flocking to the U.S. dollar, but also because there is that cash crunch. Jeff just alluded to that also with, uh, with people trying to exit some of those hedges on, on the U.S. dollar. And really, it's a really tricky time also to do hedges. I want to use that to jump to, to lead to a jump over to how fuel hedges, for instance, are impacting the likes of Singapore Airlines. Now, a number of uh, OCBC, DBS, and uh, DBS have highlighted that they could be taking a hit because they were hedging oil at these high levels between between seventy five to eighty dollars a barrel because they thought that hey, you know what, the, the production cuts are going to rise and they're going to and they're going to balance out the supply gluts that we're seeing in oil at the moment. 
So we might want to hedge ourselves up there. But nobody saw that collapse in oil prices because of COVID-19, because of the price war also between Saudi Arabia and, uh, and Russia that's brewing right now. Um, though President so, Trump so, is looking for the median ground right now, right? So we have seen... Absolutely. Yeah, we've seen crude oil uh, move from its $25 a barrel low close on Wednesday up to around $29 a barrel at the moment. Uh, and it means our uh, ONG play uh, exploration and production company Rex International is also up 9% today, up at 9.5 cents. Uh, and just to, just to mention too, in terms of correlations, Rex uh, International has declined 55% in a year to date, and that has exactly matched the decline in the price of Brent crude oil. Can right. I, can I just also make that point on the banks too, um, because uh, yeah, because we we have seen uh, the broader market buybacks in Singapore really surge this month. I mean, we're only uh, well, if I look at the first fourteen sessions, so through to the close of yesterday, we've got four hundred and twenty-five million dollars in share buybacks by as many as fifty-two stocks, and DBS has led that. I think they've bought back as much as three hundred and fifty million dollars in consideration uh, in the first fourteen sessions of. Of the, of the month, and that's at uh, $20 per share on average. And we've also seen record number of directors acquiring shares in their listed companies. So uh, that column that uh, we write in the BT every Monday, and yeah, it can be a little dry, but but for the Monday one, it might be worth uh, the broader market having a look at, because we've got 130 director acquisitions filed between 13th and 19th of March, including the We family through uh, We Investments PTE Limited. That they've acquired close to 4 million shares of UOL Group uh, for around $26 million, which uh, is around $6.60 a share. You've got Raffles Medical Group uh, executive chair and co-founder Dr. Lou. He's acquired 4 million shares of the private healthcare provider as well for around $3.3 million. And we've got, of course, Olam Sunny Verghese. He's acquired 1.75 million shares uh, at around $2.6 million or $1.50 per share. So a string of director acquisitions, lots of buybacks, at these levels uh, by our market here as well. Interesting that Jeff mentioned that because we're also getting reports about uh, about a lot of buybacks and a lot of investors coming into the markets at these really low levels. Out in Europe, Liberium, this consulting company, actually noticed that the number of buybacks by directors of the top 600 mark, uh, companies from the likes of Renault, uh, Peugeot, for instance, especially out of France, they've been buying back a lot of their shares recently because they think it's this time to snap or increase their positions on their companies. It's also seen as a vote of confidence for them. In the U.S. at the moment, there's actually no, uh, exactly an article right now that, uh, that they've noticed that the likes of activist investor Carl Icahn, Warren Buffett, they've all started to increase their holdings in some of these companies. They really believe it because they think it's now time to come into that. Now, here, there Again, brings us back to this thing that Jeff and I always talk about, uh, uh, discuss every so often when we do markets on Fridays. Also, it comes down to whether or not you believe in the in the company that you're about to invest in. If you really think that this company will bounce back or will survive any kind of downturns, especially exacerbated ones like right now, this could be a time actually to increase your positions. But it's very easy to say that if you're not dealing with the psychological impact of watching all of these volatile movements in the markets. For instance, maybe you believe in driving strategic, but keep in mind that yesterday they fell by about 14%, 17%, I think at one point. It's easy to say, okay, now's the time to come back into this. But if you're confronted with that and you're seeing that loss magnifying throughout the day and you put yourself in those shoes, it's a little e- more difficult to hold the lag. You might need William Wallace at the back saying, you know, hold before the English <laughs> chart, right? 
Well, we, 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 we've got obviously a lot of uh, investors do have a good penchant for uh, dividends here in Singapore. And if you, you look at the STI now, the trailing 12-month dividend yield is around 5.5%. And I know uh, going forward, uh, you know, some dividends can be impacted by the economic ramifications of, of what we're uh, building in and pricing into the market now. But if you even rewind back to 2016 and you apply the STI dividends of that year to the current level of the STI, the indicative yield would be uh, still above 4.5%. And even if you go all the way back to 2011 and you apply the STI dividend distributions of that year, the yield with current prices would still be very close to 4%. And I guess that's uh, also the STI making some changes across the way. I mean, obviously, it's not the same constituents back in 2011 and 2016 as it is now. And you've got to remember, too, we've got five REITs now, which account for 10% of the STI weight as opposed to just the one REIT Capital and more trust back in 2011. Okay, so what I'm getting from the both of you is if you have that stout heart and that iron calf stomach, maybe there are some defensive investments that you can make that uh, could see some, some gains for you. Mm-hmm. But you have yeah. to be very defensive about it. That, that's right. And, uh, and we also have, uh, I just want to flag out, uh, because JP was talking about uh, relative uh, value and volumes today, we would do expect to do a little bit more at the close today because we will have uh, just some big institutions just trim or add to their weighting of the, that they have in the SDI because we have, um, I guess, SDI rebalancing become effective on Monday, the 23rd. Even though there's no SDI stocks coming in or out, it's still usually an opportunity that we see uh, the big institutional investors just trim their holdings to to match the index sometimes if they need to. Right, okay. Mm. So I'm not sure if I heard you, JP, what's value turnover at this point seems to be the question every day these days. Okay, so if this was this time last year, we'd be very impressed to see it at 910 million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands. But keep in mind that around this time, usually, especially over the last two weeks, we see value turnover at about 1.3, 1.4 billion about that time. So it's uh, I think uh, it's still fairly. Fairly, uh, act, it's still fairly active, but definitely not at, at the same levels as last time. But again, this could also be interpreted as maybe the market is starting to calm down a little bit, a bit more sensibility, at least for this session, with people not rushing out to sell and mass at the moment. Because yes, value turnover is up. The people have also coming in a bit more measured. And we always describe, according to you and I, at least uh, jokingly, that the straight types index or Singapore stock market seems to be the more, um, the less excitable of these major markets in, in, in Asia. They're the ones who just dip their toes in the whereas others t- tend to take the plunge. And maybe this is also a sign that perhaps that, that good old-fashioned sensibility is coming back at least to, to the Straits Times Index. I think that's just how I'm, I, I'm looking at it. Jeff might have a different opinion. What do you think, yeah. Jeff? No, no, it's definitely uh, it's a more quieter day. I mean, last night I watched the first two hours uh, from 9.30 to 11.30 of the New York market, and it was uh, that was one of the most muted sessions that uh, I can remember. Uh, the, um, so, so, as I said, we, we do have a strong correlation to the U.S. The U.S. has the, the big chunk of the pie in terms of global market capitalization and uh, it's it's obviously setting the trends and setting the tempo of the market and that's obviously had a very much quieter session last night and we're feeling that across the session today as I guess investors and and traders catch their breath. I guess the question will be for um, you know the investors going into next week is can we expect some more of this calm? I think it's 
too dicey to call sentiment. Sentiment's a very tricky thing, especially when you look at the markets. I will just leave folks with this one nugget of hope, maybe. Mm-hmm. We did talk, we started off by looking at U.S. futures, and I said it was fairly mixed, uh, mixed and only the Nasdaq was in the green. Well, guess what? The Dow futures are now up by about 40 points, and S&P 500 futures marginally in the green. So all three major equity indices, index futures out on Wall Street are in the green. Perhaps this could be a sign, at least today, we might be able to sustain some gains. But again, all bets are off because uh, the sentiment right now could tip at the drop of a hat. Well, let's let's hope for some calm. I could use a calm Friday. I think a With lot of people there. could as well. <laughs> this has been Market View Wrap on Money FM 89.3 with JP Ong and Jeff Howie from the SGX on the phone with me. I'm Clarissa Montero. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.